goes another 20 euro. Holy shit, I hate those guys. Gotta hate 20 euro. Fuck these guys. Somebody help these 20 It's time to figure it out, Ricky. Welcome to Too Many Jams. Show about all things 20-year-old. <laughs> With help from friends, experts, and our own personal experiences, we hope to shed some light on those issues that leave our age group lost and confused. If you hear in the background a nice crispy crack of a beer, that's true history. 12 Swans IPA, available in all LCBOs. God, that's How's good. How's it taste? Good as always. Before we, we uh, before we introduce our guest, let's get your uh, tasting notes on. Oh this. yeah, for sure, yeah, for sure. First thoughts. Have you had True History? Before? No, I haven't. I have not. Okay. It's very good. Yeah. Um, you know, flowery. For an IPA, you know, yeah. you kind of usually expect an IPA to be like kind of bitter. Yeah, I get hints of like bruised peach. Ooh. Whoa. And, uh, you know. Maybe uh, some like freshly opened tennis ball, like some, <laughs> some really nice, something like that. I think is probably. Uh, Are you a wine guy? No, but I did see that movie Psalm. You ever oh, see yeah, that I've on Netflix, that dude? Well. I saw that movie and I was just talking shit about <laughs> tasting notes for the next, you know, the rest of my life. So yeah, Trav, it's pretty funny if you if you get a chance and you want to watch some guys just fully <laughs> make up a whole palette of tasting notes. Love it out of nowhere. These yeah. guys, these guys can do it. Mm, smells yeah, like it's uh, brilliant. tastes. I got notes of foot arch and mm, <laughs> disappointment. <laughs> the best one is black current. So black current is just codename for cat piss. That's like one of the is that things. What that is? That's what that is. Yeah, yeah. That's like the number one takeaway from that film. I've completely overlooked that, or maybe I haven't seen it in a while, so I just forgot. Anyway, but true anyways, history beer. true history beer. Love these guys. Thanks number for, one sponsor. Thanks for supporting the podcast with your great beverage. And we urge you out there, anyone who drinks beer, to uh, please, when you go to the LCBO next time, maybe try this try this beer, support support some friends. Give it a go. You'll like it. You uh, won't be disappointed. If you want some male jewelry, wrist and ride, buzzing. Jams 15 for 15% off. Speaking of buzzing. What about it? Uh, we also have a new sponsor, Bottle Rocket. And, I mean, since last episode, she hasn't done her hair, but... Um, keep an eye out for it. Maybe next time. Yeah, if you notice Rob and I looking a little uh, hotter than usual, <laughs> Bottle Rocket. Uh, it's a Robbie's girlfriend opened up a uh, salon on her own. Badass move, and uh, she's sponsoring our hair for uh, this next season. And we are going to set up some promo codes for listeners to go check her out. She's really fucking good too. And that's it. That's it. No more uh, corporate mm. talk. All right. No, no, no more sponsorship talk. Mm. Let's get to our guest. Maybe we should get her to do the guest haircut. <laughs> it's like come on the show and they get a haircut. Oh, and they get like a coupon? While, yeah, while we're like filming, she just does the hair oh, right here. Oh, shit. <laughs> That'd be kind of funny. Dude, you're on fire today. Anyway, let's get to our guest. Looking like a straight rock star right now with these sunnies on. Still don't have a studio light, so this isn't for this isn't like some joke going on. We're getting blinded by a light in our face, all right? It's Mr. Matt Helfand. How you doing? I'm fantastic. Happy to be here, boys. Is this your first pod? 
first pod long time listener first time uh first time, first time guest <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what uh it, i don't know if you've listened to one of the episodes but one of my buddies alex Gerlings, who we've had on the show a couple times that's his uh that's his famous line that's his line okay. do you know, sorry uh, i didn't want to uh do you know bite alex? His style no i don't i don't i know a couple of your guests but i don't know alex it's also like not his line it's, yeah yeah not not, not his line but like, it's like you know everybody's line he, he quotes that um, um, more often than not so i hear it on spin chicklets a lot too when they get the when they get the hockey players oh, yeah, on they yeah. always make that comment uh but you're a big podcast listener oh yeah big podcast listener it's uh change the game change the subway rides you know it's uh it's good stuff do you think there's i i've had this thought coming into new year's and it was actually one of my resolutions oh i had to burp there sorry do you think there's too much listening to pod sometimes like do you think you can overdo it because i honestly think too much is actually a distraction man that's a an interesting question i was thinking about that this morning because like every every day i'll go down take the subway down to work and i i listen to a podcast and i think that sometimes i'm not necessarily that careful with what i'm putting directly into my brain because it's like you know this you're sort of just mainlining this information yeah. maybe waking up in the morning listening to like you know why the un climate talks are collapsing and the world is ending like the first thing you do when you wake up in the morning isn't necessarily the best thing to do. And so, you know, I, I do think that, uh, you know, there's a lot of podcasts and a lot of content. And you just recommendations come in left, right and center. And I think maybe that's my new year's resolution. Um, not, not, not to, uh, <laughs> to, uh, t- take away too much from that, but like, I, <laughs> or, 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 or I mean, steer, steer away too much from that. But you just reminded me, I read this article earlier that, uh, you know, the lead guy in meatloaf, what the but, fuck is going on just, right just, here? Just wait. Just hold yeah, on. Yeah, lead guy, meatloaf. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the lead guy. Anyways, he's like a climate change denier. So, <laughs> <laughs> nice. so that's a tough, tough label look. For tough so, look. Yeah. so I was uh, I was reading this article about how uh, about how he thinks Greta Thunberg's been brainwashed to believe <laughs> he's like he's like I really just feel sorry for her that uh, you know she got roped into this climate change belief and da da da. Well, you okay. <laughs> I want to get back to this podcasting real quick. Yeah. I want to rebut, not rebut, but go back at what you say. Um, one, yeah. no matter what I think about climate change, I really believe the climate is changing. I don't know much beyond it. I haven't read anything. Sorry. Greta Thunberg still pisses me off. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm just going to throw it out there. You know what I hate uh, is being scolded by children about anything almost. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Even if she's right. I don't know if she's right because I haven't looked into it. But boy, does it feel bad to have some girl go, you're an animal for what you're doing to this planet, whatever. And I'm just like, you know, fucking Chill just out. leave me alone. Like, <laughs> fuck, go, to, go, go play with your friends. Like, shit. Like, I'm just I'm trying to make my money over here, Greta. Like, I drive an like, economical vehicle. I recycle. Makes me feel bad. Time person of the year. Oh. What do you year. what do you think well, of you know, I I back her. I I'm a I'll heard it here first. Yeah. Right. Yeah, big big backer of, of of Greta, you know. She's she's doing what she's doing. Like, you know, the truth is, it seems like the adults in the room aren't listening and they don't really care very much. And and you know, there's a lot to read out there and and you know, we don't need to get into like climate science. We're obviously not fucking scientists here, none of us. I have no idea what's going on. I, I, yeah. My last science class was grade 10 biology. Mm-hmm. That was truly my last science class. But you know- Did that explain it? Global warming I at think all? at that point it was like, we didn't even know what was going on. But the truth is like, when when you have this, someone who's like, and I, freak, I don't want to get super political here, but like when you have someone like, the, like Donald Trump is the president and 
people who are like meatloaf yeah you know <laughs> like, like, on the on the record just de- denying it and these people are adults who should know better you know sometimes you do need to hear that voice i get what you're saying uh you don't like to get scolded by children i i feel that neither do i but sometimes they know they know what's up i know but sometimes i wish that you know i'd like i love to get scolded by like super robotic nerdy people that just have the facts right like okay like who's that right wing guy that is all facts and no funny business a jewish guy ben shapiro yeah i like when he scolds me right you know what i mean because he's like facts don't care about your feelings and Mm -hmm. like and all this shit and i'm like ah this feels nice because you 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 know more than me and i don't care what your opinion is but because he's still like if they're attacking millennials or anyone that like cares about this or that it always nice it's nice to be scolded by some like fact nerd right whereas greta is an emotion is an emotional plea and it doesn't right. strike that well with me and coming from a kid as well just always rubs me the wrong way because i just think of those little like brats running around when i was in like high school and stuff and i'm just like fuck you guys yeah. like <laughs> you, you probably think of yourself at 16 i know i sometimes do and i'm like nobody yeah. should have listened to me uh-uh. like if anybody was listening to me at 16 they're they shouldn't. They shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but, totally. Greta, but you know, at the same time, like you know, she's out there. She's doing her thing, and she's also inspiring people to take action. And and the truth is, like, if if we're not gonna have our current political leaders and you know our business leaders, sort of seems like more our political leaders don't care. Um, then you know the kids gotta kids gotta do it. You say the same thing with gun control in the U.S. The kids are taking the taking the charge, man. I mean, I back anyone that does anything with with passion. I just mean personally and i also it's not like i've ever actually felt anything real this is like kind of an exaggerated commentary but uh no like to keep doing your thing this is maybe maybe she's not exactly resonating with With you you. she's resonating with with people resonating with you in terms of facts that she or you know what she's saying but at least she's creating an awareness and you know about her and now we're talking about it and like it's like those commercials that annoy you but then you talk with the commercial and they end up it ends up doing the same thing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like the alarm force. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know the, yo, you, everyone knows the alarm force uh, song. Alarm force. Oh, do you know what the alarm force number is? Um, 1-800-267-2001. Yeah. Alarm like, like, force. Neither of you guys are in media, but like you got to bring jingles back. Like if I still know the alarm force. 100%. Phone Dude, number? Like, called, come like, on. We need a climate change jingle like... Call what a hundred. The world is burning. We're all gonna die. <laughs> Climate change. You know what? That's simple enough. It just might work. TM. Okay, fi- that was a good tangent, but I do want to get back on track because there's a lot of things I want to talk to you about. And let's briefly close out that podcast topic. You said it could be one of your New Year's resolutions. The mainlining of all that information. The reason why podcasts um, bug me a little bit is because. One mostly anecdotal chats, mm-hmm. people's opinions, and present you, company excluded, of course. Oh, yeah, but I'm saying like <laughs> everything in moderation. I'm I'm saying podcasts uh, because they're informational and in words. You you feel comfortable doing it a lot more than say if you're watching TV, YouTube, movies, listening to music, which are clearly feel like you know just dis- distractions or procrastination or like kind of like chill time podcasts you do when you're going to the gym when you're making food when you're driving when you're on the subway mm-hmm. and you don't feel bad about it because you're mm-hmm. like oh, i'm learning but then you start doing when you get up when you go to bed and you don't let any silence you don't have any it's like i felt like last year i was legitimately distracting myself from just taking the healthy amount of time someone should take a day to just be thinking 
You know what I mean? And totally. I was just in a rut of like doing things and like not really thinking a lot because any free time I had where my hands were busy, I was listening to a podcast, driving, fucking. Yep. So I don't. Yeah, not, you have them going all the sorry. time, huh? You have them going all the time. Yeah. So that was one of my things. But but you as a music guy also. Yeah. How do you split your time? Because I find me like I I, li- I do listen to podcasts, but still a majority of my time is taken up, uh, you know, with with music. I guess you know when I have the opportunity to put headphones in. Um, are you, do you listen to as much music still, or like? I probably listen to less music. Yeah. But uh, st- you know, I should check my like Spotify stats to see. I, I would probably guess about sixty percent podcasts, forty percent music, or even close to fifty fifty. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. But, but it's it's really like a mood. Sometimes I'll be like halfway through a podcast and be like, all right, like that's enough. Like let's throw on some fucking John Mayer here. Got it going. <laughs> See, I, I, I might have been like 80-20 podcast. podcast. I was in the, I was doing too much. That's I a was lot. consuming. Yeah. Well, you've always been a big radio guy also. Like, you know, you just, you kind of, you kind of just flip on the radio and like you're never like actively, I mean, before before you had the auxiliary cord in your car, yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of the time you were just like flipping on the radio and you listened to whatever in the Bounce background, Bounce between right? stations, yeah. I don't know. Uh, it, it was just a weird thought. And for anyone listening right now, I'll give you a little preview of what we're going to talk about today because it's nice to say it early before um, you know what you're getting into. Matt Hellfan, um, I know him from, he used to be the student council president at Western. Is that the right title? Yeah, that's, that's right. Student council president, which is a big fucking deal. Um, and I want to talk about that a little bit. He also is now working in law, which is super cool. He's into music, and he's also just a really interesting, well-spoken guy. Not to put you on the spot, you can, you can, <laughs> you don't, you don't have to impress people on this. But that's what we're getting into today, and uh, a few tangents at the beginning. But let's let's get into you, because I want to ask how a student council president even gets near that like thought process. Where'd you go to high school? I grew up in Toronto. I went to high school at Northern Secondary School. Okay, pretty pretty typical school, like an upbringing yep. I'd understand. I know people that went there, like pretty straightforward Toronto. Um, were you sporty, nerdy, athletic? Like honestly, I I was a pretty like just mediocre guy. Like I didn't, I wasn't. I think I played <laughs> a bunch of sports poorly for like you. most of my yeah. life. Like never anything more than house. Like the one sports team I played on in high school was in grade nine i made the ultimate frisbee team great sport great sport and then so this this is how big of an idiot i was i dropped out to try and join the baseball team which i was terrible at and i dropped out of the ultimate frisbee team big mistake. and then they wouldn't let me back on the next year and i didn't make the baseball team <laughs> and it was just like you're just out of luck out of luck it was just stupid absolutely absolutely dumb so you know i wasn't particularly sporty chronic underachieving high school student was it underachieving or did you just know the exact amount to do I think that's probably it. The exact that's what I call do. it. Yeah, it's not like it's like if I needed an eighty-four to get into my university program, I'm I not got, getting an eighty-four point five. I got an eighty-four. Yeah, and I got into my university program, and I think people that go above and beyond, as much as it gives you a cushion, you're wasting your time. <laughs> Could have been going to parties with me. <laughs> There's a lot. Honestly, there is a lot to be said about that. I think I, so. I think I was like that in university. You know, like this is how much I need to pass. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Go after but, um, that. Keep up with it, you know? Ultimate Frisbee, though. I joined Ultimate Frisbee not knowing anything about the sport other than it was the o- one of the only co-ed sports because yep. I went to an all-guys school. Right. So I was like, meet some girls. What's up? We were Our sister school was Haver Girl. And I was like, I'm just going to join the sport to meet girls. Then I joined the team, and I love the sport so much that I got competitive with it. 
And then I forgot about my entire mission <laughs> and I got like really into the sport and was like hardcore ultimate frisbee. The girls really didn't like me because I would never pass them and I was all about winning and shit. And nice. uh, so that, that really that really went the opposite direction for me. Yeah, is there anything worse than throwing a frisbee with someone who can't throw a frisbee? I mean, <laughs> it might've been a little sexist, but they were underperforming. <laughs> If, 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 you know, there was a few guys that were underperforming, I didn't pass to them either. Yeah, that, I think on on my team there's a lot of very good players, male and female. But you're right. Like if someone can't catch a frisbee, you're you're. But throw, you're it's it throw. Them. It's the classic like angle. You yeah, know, it just, just like starts going <laughs> off. Yeah. Damn it, Susan. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> there's no Susan on the team. Um. So then, what was your shtick? Like, were you? Were you into, like, were you in the uh, student council in high school? Were you involved no, in shit I at all? I was not involved in it at all. It was totally, like, you know, I went to Northern. Um, I graduated, only applied to Western because it was just the school I wanted to go to, but for no particular reason. No, no particular, particular reason. Okay. reason. Like, I was just like, yeah, I'll go to Western. I think some of my camp counselors went to Western. Like, yeah. Okay, what camp did you go to? I went to Onondaga. Yeah. I went to Onondaga for eight years and then also went to Candelore for one year. Okay. After my first year of law school, I sort of like went back. Um, and that was, I was, that was a joke's time. But um, so I, I got to Western first year and I was like the most disengaged first year ever. Like, didn't I do any of the frosh stuff? Didn't, not only didn't do the frosh stuff, like I think people hated me on my floor because like I had this vivid memory of, you know, coming to res and it was, and I just like, there was all this programming going on. What like, res? I don't, I was in med sed. Okay. Like, I don't want to do any of this. And I remember one morning, like my RA or myself was knocking on my door and wouldn't stop knocking. And I opened up the door and I said, I'm like, can you fuck off? And the whole floor was there. And like, and then they're just like, wow, that guy's sketchy. And nobody talked to me for like two months. And it was just Are we like. the same person? <laughs> I don't know, man. Am I looking in a mirror? That's that's right now. That's how that's how I felt. And Are you guys the same age? No, uh, you're apart. But I I felt the same way about frosh activities. And I I was about to bring up a story of when uh, we were in a sweet uh, uh, alumni house right beside you. Those sweets. Oh style, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, they would bang on our door every morning early. And it was uh, our RA or our frosh leader was a guy from my high school who I knew. Yeah. So it was extra disrespectful of us, all of our roommates who came right. from my high school. We would let him knock for as long and we would never answer <laughs> and we would never participate. Classic. Uh, I, I didn't open the door though, but you had no barrier. Your door was right no there. Barrier. Your bed was right That's there. Right. We had a living room so we could just let him knock away. Right. But I mean, if that was in my bedroom. I'd open the door and tell them to fuck off. It was just too much. And it was like, I just wasn't really feeling it. I just came back from summer camp where like we're doing all that stuff. And I just didn't really want to, all that stuff being like, you know, just programming and 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 singing and dancing. And I just like, didn't want anything to do with it. And uh, so I was totally disengaged in my first year. And like, I did terribly in school in my first year. Um, I like almost got kicked out of res a couple times. Oh, for, yeah. like, you know, just like being an idiot. And I hated res because I felt like I had more, um, you know, freedom at home in Toronto than I did in residence. I didn't like signing in. I didn't like all that. And then, uh, you know, I moved on. This is still about how I became student. Yeah. So I was yeah, like, yeah. totally, totally disengaged with everything. And uh, my second year, for some reason, I just got this idea in my head. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to, I saw the people running for USC president when I was in first year. And I was like, yeah, I'm just going to go do that. With For like no good reason. No good reason. I probably just because like I don't know. I I 
honestly, like I probably should go to like therapy to try and unpack that weird desire to to do <laughs> for that power. Like, for power. <laughs> like I truly don't know, but I, I, you know, I decided I was going to do it. And my second year, I signed up to be a counselor who's like one of the elected members. And what happened is I put my form in, and then I got the next email I got was you've been disqualified because you didn't show up to the all candidates meeting. I'm like, oh shit. Not great start. I didn't know that was, to, so I'm like, okay, well, I guess I just got to skip to phase two. And then the next year I was in third year. And in third year, I started taking some political science classes that were actually small classes. Yeah, I'm that a political I, science that I enjoyed major. doing. And you know, I was able to sort of engage with some of the material and I ran for president of the social science student council, ah. which is one of the smaller uh, councils, but it's still, you know, it's representing like 6,000 people. It's a budget What's, of like, I thought social science would be the biggest. It is. Yeah, it is the biggest. So it's like 7,000 oh, okay. people. Um, it, does it typically like do uh, candidates for USC president, they typically work their way up in that way. Like there'll be like council of like, or, um, you know, leader of this, uh, like social sciences or whatever. And yeah. then like run for the, I would the say big time next year. Because that's sort yeah. of how you like, you know, you get to know people who are sort of, first you get to know sort of, if you're going to lead an organization, you want to uh, know a bit about it. And when I was running for the so, the social science thing, I knew nothing about it. Yeah. I, but I was just guns blazing. I was you against this one. desire for power. Yeah, this one <laughs> dude, this guy who's a really nice guy, but I was running against him and he was like, he thought he was going to be unopposed. And he just like, I was just, Guns you ran a blazing. smear campaign on him. <laughs> Honestly, like I didn't run a smear campaign, but it was just like it was just I just came at him with like just unbridled energy with my buddies who were just like, yeah, let's get involved with this and, and do this. That's and so, hilarious. So I ran for that, did that for a year, it was great. And then what ended up happening was I um So you enjoyed it? I enjoyed it. It was like an amazing, amazing experience. Like I got to, you know, I taken a leadership role, I sort of changed things up a bit. Uh how much extra time was it and you know how much power did you actually have in terms of like changing what was currently happening you know it's sort of like that's a good question it's uh, you know i how much power do you have it's sort of like you have as much power as you kind of work for in a way because it's all about influencing people and you yeah. know setting the direction and i remember at the beginning i sort of like got the whole council together it's sort of like a 50 person council it was like really big and sort of set the direction of what we're going to try and do and set a couple goals and you know, we uh, were able to get some funding allocated to academic counseling. We were able to get some, we hosted a couple concerts. We hosted um, a Mac Miller concert. I don't know if you remember yeah. going to that concert. Oh, that's dope. Yeah. It was absolutely incredible. Like it was one of the best concerts in recent memory at Western. And was it you directly reaching out to Mac Miller's people? There were people, there's people who work at Western who actually have, who are like booking agents. And so, no and way. Like, yeah. So like they actually, this dude who just like, you know, you go through them and they're able to make it happen. It's actually through the USC, the, the main student council. So it's a different body. They're probably the same people that are booking all like the big talks and stuff for anything exactly. that goes on on exactly. campus, right? It's the same people. It's yeah. totally that those booking people. And so we did that and it was it was just like a huge success. And then we were going to go put in an offer for ASAP Rocky. And I think, I can't remember why we didn't do it, but we decided. Maybe against a brand image or? I I, you know what? That I might've been like a sort of a risk aversion because it's like, it's sort of like, you know, we, but like, I don't really know where, why we didn't end up doing it, but, but we didn't do it. And funny enough, they did it last, this past year, they tried to book ASAP Rocky and he couldn't come to Canada oh, because his visa yeah, got off. So yeah. it's like, kind of funny. Was that, was he the Sweden guy? He was the Sweden guy. Yeah. Um. So how much, like how much of a time commitment? Like, was it, was right. it every day they had something? Yeah. Or? Sort of every day. Like um, I would say probably like 20 hours a week for that. 
Uh, and it, so that was a part-time job. You didn't get paid. You got like an honorarium at the end of the year of a thousand bucks or something like that. It's nice. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice because, and you know, it was just an opportunity for me to, to do something with my time. It was, uh, it was just a really, really good learning experience being able to, you know, interact with people. And I would have meetings with the dean and, you know, sort of sat on a couple of councils around would uh, your town. Would your friends, did, they, did your friends start to become people from the councils or was it, was it like camp friends or people you met in your classes? Like who was your crew? You know, my friendship crew definitely started to grow a little bit. Like, there's a lot of people on the council who, you know, are kind of like the typical student council people. Yeah. But then there's a nerds. lot. Nerds. Yeah, you know. But then it's like, you can't really say that because, like, I was the king of the nerds at one point. And so yeah. it's like, what does that make me? Like, the I mean, nerd is a nerd. term of an endearment. Like, these days, yeah. But it's funny. It is funny. And so, but then there's also people who I'm still very close with, and they were great, great people. So, um, yeah, that was that one. And what ended up happening is I did that for a year. It was fantastic. And typically what people would do would then run for like the bigger position. And I decided not to do it because I was just like, you had to make the decision to run way too early. Uh, and I just backed off. This I, is USC president. This was so when I was social side president. Yeah. And then I decided not to run for anything else, not run for USC president or vice yeah. president. And I went back to Western to do a master's degree. And so I was there doing my master's. And what happened is halfway through the year, my buddy who was working for the USC, he came to me and he's like, you know, you should take a look at the USC bylaw for eligibility to run for president. I'm like, okay, I'll take a look at it. And it was written in a way that I'm like, you know what? I was a graduate student at the time and the USC, which is the undergraduate students council, mm -hmm. typically it's only undergraduate students who run for mm -hmm. these positions, right? Of course. But the bylaw wasn't that clear. And so what I did, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to I'm going to put my name in and I did. And like, I convinced them that this was the way the bylaw was interpreted and the organization, they freaked out. But I remember I like the day that I submitted it, I knew that the whole student council leadership was like offsite at some dinner. Mm -hmm. I got the gazette to like come out and take my photo and I end up on the front I, page and they saw it and they're like, what the fuck is this guy doing? Like, is, but is that why? Cause I, this is one of the questions I wanted to ask you of all the student council presidents in the five years I was at Western. Um, <clears throat> I couldn't tell you another one of their names. <laughs> Why do I know yeah, you? Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> you know, yeah. that, that's, uh, I think that when I went into the, to the job and, and so the, the, and it, the long story is, you know, I, I ended up running despite not being able to, to run like yeah. technically through a loophole. I called it a loophole. Um, and I was the old Joffrey. The old Joffrey. <laughs> That's so fucking funny. Yeah, we're the, the same person, by the way. Like, <laughs> what's that from? Jo well, just the Joffrey, Joffrey Loophole. Joffrey Loophole. Oh, okay. But wait, did <laughs> you just make that up? Or did yeah, you I mean, we're that the same yeah, line. That was uh, just an off-the-cuff joke. So, um, yeah, I just didn't know if you would get that if that was gonna fall flat. But I'll go with my gut next time. So, but you know what ended up happening is I got I got the job. I ended up running with two other vice president candidates, and um, we just killed it. And we killed the campaign. And I went into the role being like, okay, I think that. My philosophy was that, you know, you you do your campaign and people sort of vote for you and then you don't stop campaigning. You just keep on putting yourself out there because that's the only way that this job matters is if people know who you are and then you can help them solve their problems and you can be a sounding board for them. You can help, uh, you know, help not only solve their problems, but also, you know, help them accomplish their goals. And that's what I was trying to do. And I just so that's stop. how we knew who you were is even after you got elected. You just kept putting yourself out there. It was just like that was a no-brainer for me. So I don't know if we first met probably at the Purple Spur Fashion Show. Yeah. Because I remember that. And that was one of the things that like none of my predecessors did. And I'm like, of course I'm going to do that. Of course. Amazing. That's like yeah. that's what like people want to see the president doing this. That was at least my philosophy. And 
you know, that's why I spent all the time at Jim Bob's, you know, it's like people want to see their president. Just- you were the people's president. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I, man, that's why, that's why I think, I even think it's a bigger deal because I was going to ask all these questions like, man, how was it? Like, like everyone knew who you were, like was what, like this and that. But then I thought about it deeper and I was like, no one knew any of the other student council presidents. So all these perks you brought about just by being a super active social person in the university like layout, Jim Bob's going out, going to Purple Spur, going to other clubs events, showing up to showing your support publicly all the time. Um, and you made yourself a, like a household name. You got to do it. That's, on Western campus. That's, that to me, that was like half of the job is just getting out there and doing it. And that also the other thing too. And then there's also the nuts and bolts of it is, you know, I had some really specific sort of legislative stuff I wanted to do. I wanted to put in a new appeals board. I wanted to change the way the council operated. I wanted to do all this. And I knew, and I knew that council, if I was, you know, popular with, if I was the most popular person on that council, Mm -hmm. uh, and I had the, you know, as a full-time job to do that, it would be easier for me to get my legislative stuff done because, you know, they're going to defer to me because they, they sort of see me out there doing these things and at least that was my philosophy at the time and i think it sort of worked because i was able to get the things done and it wasn't just me of course i had a great team but um you know we were able to get those things done because uh i i feel the same way as you because i don't think we really knew each other in uh in university um but i knew of you you know and that's and i think that speaks to kind of what were you were doing in your whole campaign is is putting yourself out there it's also like a pretty twisted like microcosm of how people work oh. in almost anything. Oh man, absolutely. That is that's a like good, popularity good is influence. It's the same same on Instagram selling things and and I guess it doesn't you you don't think that that's the case for like the highest offices like in the states, but it really is. It a hundred percent is. I mean, it's just like you know that's a, that's a very good point because. It is so much about interpersonal relationships, getting things done and, you know, understanding other people and what they want to accomplish. And, you know, in a role like that, um, you got to find out what, you know, what you mutually have to benefit from each other. And part of that is like, you know, what are my advantages is this in this role? And if I can be the person that if I'm the student voice and to the administration or to the mayor of London or whatever, and I can credibly say, well, I had 40 conversations with students in the last three days and this is what they're telling me. Yeah. Um, this is why you should do this thing. It's kind of hard to argue with that. What are some typical uh, complaints or issues that were brought forward by by students that they wanted you to, you know, fix? You know, I think that it's there's probably a couple ones that come to mind, and they would all, so often when I was out, and I, you know, I really enjoyed going out to like Jim Bob's and going yeah. out and having a good time. And it's funny enough, like they, they wait, wait, what, wait, can I guess one actually? Yeah, the cell service. On cell campus. service, you know, cell. I don't remember the cell service. I never being remember a huge that being issue. an issue. I do remember it being an issue, May, but maybe it was like before you were in charge. Then you I know, f- because I, you know, what it did get better in the latter half of uh, my university stint. But maybe um, it was. Maybe that was one of them. You know, um, but but sorry. Yeah, so, so it was like mental health issues were were just like massive, yeah. and mental health supports that was a huge one. I kept on hearing, and then often when there was like. You know, tragically, when there'd be a suicide on campus, which happens every single year, that would really be, you know, a call to action. Um, career opportunities and stuff like that was huge. Uh, really, really various complaints uh, about things. But, you know, it wasn't like people were always complaining. People just like wanted, often it was like, hey, can I have money to do this thing? 
Yeah. And it'd be like, yeah, yeah, well, this is our grant our grant application process, go go ahead and do that. And so it's not necessarily like a hackathon, I remember some guy, or like the Western Snowboard Club, we got deratified. And so it's stuff like that that are very personal to a lot of people uh, that you can sort of either help them out with or find out why, you know, why things are the way they are. And, yeah. and often people just want an answer. It's like, even if you can't solve the problem, it's like, why is this the way it is? Because it doesn't make sense to me. And did students have a direct line to you? I mean, yeah, like people could book, I, people booked appointments all the time. And but did, was it like, was the reach out email like right to you? Would you, would you directly interact with people a lot or was there a bit of a screen? No, I, I would, I would answer people all the time. It was either on like social media. So like Twitter was, you know, social media wasn't quite as like, it's kind of mm -hmm. crazy that in the last five years, it's like taken off in such a way, but you know, people would email me all the time or just come up to me and often at, at the bars it was like one of the times that people would come up to me and they would like say like this is my problem you probably never had a boring bar night honestly <laughs> like the promoter honestly like this is probably exposing a bit too much but the promoter at one of the clubs at jim bob's 30 <laughs> 30 free it doesn't exist anymore 30 free drinks every time i went out at a yeah. time with 30 drinks i'm like what do, i what do, do not deserve these drinks no wonder people That's love amazing. you you're like Come, my, my yeah. peasants. <laughs> Come have a drink <laughs> with me. You're just like sprinkling. Tell me about your problems. Tell me about your problems and have a beer. <laughs> so many times, like, did you go to Western? Do you go to Western? No, I go to Fancher. Ah, have a vodka crayon anyways. <laughs> just have one. But that, but that was the thing. Social media, though. My next question I wanted to ask you, did you get, because it wasn't as big at the time, did you get a lot of followers from like your kind of campaigning? and Facebook friends. Go. Facebook friends. That's tragic because it's not. Uh, it's not meaningful right now. I think I. I think I have like thirty-seven hundred Facebook friends or something yeah. like that. That doesn't translate yeah, to Instagram it, it, followers. You know, yeah. I, I'm not sure what it is on Instagram, but like, yeah, it's it's definitely not the same. But I'm, you know, I'm not really trying to. Uh, I'm pretty self-conscious of like what I have out there. Even I look at my Instagram feed, and I'm like. So it's just like 40 photos of me in various places. Like, what the hell am I doing here? Like, so, you know, I don't really know how I feel about my but social media. I feel media like and if you were to do the exact same thing now, your like Instagram would be loaded. You, yeah. could, you could now, I think if you could probably parlay that job into like some sort of Instagram influencer or something sure. now, yeah. if you played it right. Like, I don't know that that's necessarily the best thing to do, but a job like that, especially at Western where it sort of does matter more than some of the other schools. Uh, you probably could. Um, running for, running for council or USC president. Did you guys have debates and stuff as well you, as did. part of like or like what's the would process you consider yourself in particular? A master debater. Uh, I'm not. I'm not a master debater. I'm okay. I'm okay. It okay. definitely was good train. It was really good training. I was actually on the debate club in second year university, and it was. I got quite good throughout my time as the president. There were these hours long debates about like garbage where literally like seven people attended. Like it was actually ridiculous. <laughs> Nobody came to the debates. And you know, I, I actually watched one of my videos not too long ago of my debate, like this three out of eight, it's on YouTube, probably 75 views. I just look like a moron. I'm just up there like yelling. I remember I refused. Over garbage. Yeah, over garbage. I refused to do any debate training because I was that much of like a, a psycho i'm like yeah no i don't i'm just gonna go up there and say what i want to say and i guess it played out but like i would have done that a little different i mean loud voices work there was they there was a, a mock twitter account that was called yell fan which they which is 
yeah, Come like, on. no, I swear, you could, I swear, you could find, you could find it actually. It's Help probably, him. yeah, that was like one of the opposing candidates. Like, I, there's, it, there's literally like a smear, actual smear campaign. Oh, they were, yeah, it was, just, it was like, damn, and it was actually so funny because it was like someone on their campaign team who like created this thing, be like, he's yelling and he's not an undergrad. I'm like, like, who cares? Yeah, like, 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 what is it? Who cares? Like, get thirty free drinks, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> That was later, but like, I know. Yeah. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. What? Okay, this might be a little offside, but it did it help with girls? That's a that's a funny question. So, I guess I'll say this: is that um, the the job itself is sort of like a small bit of fame within like a microcosm, yeah, a small and community, a small within a small community. And I do think that you know, when you're a little bit sort of known, it does you get more attention. That's just like how it is. So I think it maybe was a little bit easier for like, you know, if I met a person or if I, you know, if I met a girl at a bar and she, and she came up to me and was like, Hey, I know you're the president. Like that may be a little bit easier for me to get her number. Or, yeah. And, and strike up conversation. Strike up a conversation. To talk about. And you know, maybe the other thing is that it's like maybe a little bit more interesting than the dude who's just like studying accounting. At, and you're a bit yeah. more trustworthy and like, you have a bit like a familiarity, which goes a little bit of a way with, yeah. with girls too. And you know, I think that, that that was, and it sort of, there was a bit more attention. And then I think it sort of stopped almost like immediately after the job was done. But uh, <laughs> it's a fickle world. It's a fickle, there, it's a fickle world, but it was definitely an interesting, um, like you said earlier about like, uh, it's like a microcosm. It's a like microcosm, a, exactly. A cool it, like environment study of of. It definitely made uh, it was a little bit different than you know just being a, a master student. And this is this is a fully paid role. Yeah, it was well. a full time job, so I wasn't in school. Yeah. I was. I think I, my salary was like forty two thousand bucks or something like that. Wow, that's yeah, amazing. I know. That's and like amazing. In London, so like I paid you were my, a rich man. I was a rich <laughs> man in London, uh, and that was just and you know. It, it was just my full time job, and I was doing that. I was able to save up some cash to go traveling afterwards. Like it was a you really. Did they provide accommodation for you? I would have like, been on going campus? No, 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 no. They didn't. I, I, I just, I'm saying compared to Toronto, like, okay. my rent there was like five hundred bucks or something. Picture like forty two thousand yeah. a year. Yeah. In London, as a student. Yeah. I would have a gold watch. I would be rolling around. <laughs> I would have a motorcycle. I would. You, be you did have a motorcycle, didn't you? No. Yeah, no. no, I remember because you were at the... Uh, no, no, it was, a, it was a dirt bike. It was a dirt... <laughs> yeah. Why, do your parents watch this or something like that? Yeah. <laughs> it's a dirt bike that he used out bike. in the country. I'm, I'm actually going to edit this out. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so let's go back to... You, you had a motorcycle. So oh, yeah, I had that, I had that, uh, that, that dirt bike uh, out in the countryside. A bit of a wild, bit of a wild machine, but no, I would have got like... Like a cool car, <laughs> I would have been balling out, man. I would, I would have got the penthouse at like six nine five. Oh yeah, that's really, it's yeah. lap of luxury. Lap of luxury, man. Yeah, it was, uh, it was good. You know, it was, uh, it was just a, a very, very good experience, and you know, it prepared me very well for, you know, some of the following experiences like working in law and and volunteer experience. Um, but yeah, what did you? So you undergraded in political science, yep. and then what did you masters in? Then? Political science as well. So when you were in high school, did you have any idea what you wanted to do in life yet? No, not really. And to, you to thought, just go to university, that's the next move. Yeah. Political science, not because you had any like affinity for politics, but no. just because it's what fit? It's what fit. And then, I, you know, I was like, maybe I'm going to see if I can go to law school. My grades in first and second year were abysmal. So you were thinking law school. I was thinking law school, but there was no real reason for me to be thinking law school. It's almost like and I don't even really have lawyers in the family. It's kind of strange. It was sort of like, well, this is just a, maybe something it's that's, just also you're like 
sociopathic like <laughs> yeah <laughs> like some like tendencies weird. guiding you in a good direction maybe yeah you know it's like i stopped taking science in grade 10 and stopped taking math in grade 11 so my options were pretty limited i'm like well i'd like to you know have a cottage or something one day so yeah there's only one way i can do this yeah, i'm just kidding western like, it, law it's a, it's, it's a uh, western law as well yeah yeah, yeah. so i was there yeah. for not i was there for nine years Wow. Yeah, no, I was just joking. Not sociopathic, but like you, the same thing. You didn't know what drove yeah, you to be, yeah. to want to be student council president. It probably, it's probably the same sort of thing like that would want, you'd want to be a lawyer. You want money. You want to have a good job. You want to be sure. able to buy the things that maybe your parents were able to afford. You like the same sort of lifestyle for your kids and stuff. And to do that these days in Toronto, I mean, you have to elevate. You can't do that. You can't live in core Toronto on the same even like accountant salaries and like no, it's just very difficult. Mi middle management that maybe our parents could have done. You have to elevate. You have to doctors, lawyers, business owners to be in core Toronto. Diversify. Diver yeah. You got to diversify. You get some investments in agriculture. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, post. Uh, Malone. I mean, okay. So you were there for nine years. Yeah. Um, post your run as USC uh, council president. Yep. Do they still reach out for you for like help or like you know donations like, <laughs> or, or like like anything like you I mean you were in law school there so like do they still want your help or like are you still in touch with them now? Yeah, actually, it's that's, that's a great question. All the time. So after I was done, uh, I joined. I actually ran for board of governors of Western. So that's sort of so how Western how universities typically function is there's two main governing bodies. The first is the board of governors, which does the administrative, the management stuff. So like. Anything to do with land, labor, uh, law, like three L's right there, like that that sort of thing. And then there's the Senate, which deals with uh, academic stuff. And so there's two student posts on the Board of Governors. It's just a volunteer role. And I joined that immediately after leaving USC president. Uh, and then I still did like, still stayed connected. And then now I'm actually on the Western Alumni Association Board. So I'm on the organization that represents all Western alumni. Um, you know, the ones asking you guys for money. So, yeah, uh, yeah. They don't, I mean, I don't know if they're asking us for money. I think they kind oh, of, it'll come. Well, no, I, I get it. You get it. I mean, yeah. When I go home, I get, uh, I oh get yeah. A, to my house. I got a letter from Huron. I'm like, oh, this is going to be asking for money. I'm like, can, although, barely, can barely afford to pay for myself. Although truly, truly. And I will say it's not yeah. all about people think, oh, the Western just wants money. They would love for people to still be engaged, you know, come back for homecoming, have a good time. I mean, I saw where the money went. Like I, I legitimately will donate to Western when I have the means uh, Western, with all the entrepreneurship, I went through there. You were at you were at uh, Propel, I went right? To yeah, Propel yeah, yeah, of and course. The, and the uh, Western Accelerator, right? Yeah, yeah. What was that called? That was. Um... I think it was actually. I don't know what it's changed. If it's changed, but it was the Western Accelerator yeah. when I was in it. I yeah, I remember. I was on the uh, you know Ian Hayes, right? Yeah, he loved that beauty. guy. He I, was, I was on his. Yeah. Uh, don't want to boost, but I was on his committee to hire that guy. Okay. He was, uh, and he was like a just standout candidate. He's he's an absolute home run of a guy. <laughs> he ran that program so well. He was a personal mentor to me. And that's why, like, as much as at Western, I had fun. It was a party, and I, I was in a great program there, too. What a unique program to have aviation at Western. Yep. And I was really proud of that. And then after, when my, my life took a turn and I got into business, they were just starting up this entrepreneurship program. With the, and uh, wow, like, I spent years after I graduated going through these programs. It's what taught me everything I know about entrepreneurship now. Absolutely. And I'll give it back down the line. I'll tell you what people don't realize, and I think your story is a really good one, is that at Western and at university in general, people think that it's just like, you know, you go to university, you're going to take the classes, you'll get the degree, and that will sort things out, and things will sort itself out. But they don't really sort themselves out, especially now, because it's way more competitive. It's harder and harder to get a job. 
And what's going to set you apart as a candidate in, you know, the employment world is those things that you do outside. And I often thought this to myself, you know, it's not about class, what you do in class, but it's about what you do during recess. It's like what you For do sure. during those times that are like unstructured, that. that, you know, you're taking things on. And I remember I had an, a conversation when I was president at a bar um, the and that really stuck with me, which was... 30 vodka sodas deep. <laughs> <laughs> and I, this, this, uh, this student, she came up to me and she was like, um, you know, she was in, she was in MIT or she was in FIMS. She's like, you know, school. Sorry, not, sorry. What's FIMS? FIMS is the new, is now MIT. So oh. they changed its name. So MIT was just, you know, one of the streams. Yeah. Now FIMS faculty of information and media studies is all of the streams. Oh, I MIT, MTP and whatever okay. the other acronym. So gotcha. anyway, so yeah. she came, she's like, school's not doing enough for me to, you know, get, get me an opportunity for, for a career. Like they're not, I don't have enough, uh, resources and all that, like compared to Ivy, compared to what they're doing in Ivy. I'm like, what's stopping you from like, and I remember saying to her, I'm like, what do they read in Ivy? Like, why don't you just pick up their books and start reading them? And she's like, well, I don't know. I'm like, you could just do that. You could do all the same things. You could even sit in on Ivy classes. You could I feel do like. any of that. It's like, yeah. why don't you just like, have you tried to like show up to their career day? And like, in, like you could just do that. And she's like, uh, well, I'm going to be fine because my dad hooked me up with a job at a bank. And I was like, okay, that's incredible. But, um, <laughs> but also I was, well, I was like, I'm going to be fine. Yeah. But like for other people, I'm like, you know, the truth is it's like so much of it is on you as a student to take advantage of those things that are there uh, that don't necessarily, that aren't listed on the course syllabus. It's true. You know what? You just reminded me of a story. When my sister, uh, when I was still in high school, my sister went to Queens and uh, we were visiting, me and my family, <laughs> down in Kingston one week, uh, one weekend or something. And uh, my, my dad- mic up there. My, my dad was interested about- the the courses that my sister was going to whatever and just like wanted to come to a class and he went to a class one morning like That's sat hilarious. like in the back of the class whatever but just could like walk in there and as check a western student you're allowed to yeah. sit in on classes and stuff like that um but to to your point and you had a different analogy than what i uh what i learned and i learned this a little late um but in my fifth year um I, I did the president of our fraternity. Right, uh, Sigma Chi. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Bit of a different gig, um, not as political, but uh, I always remembered when I was in Sigma Chi all the years, what the older guys would say. They would say this one thing over and over again, the alumni. You get out what you put in. And I never understood that until my final year when I had these responsibilities and I was doing all this work and I started to see the returns of putting in all this work. Oh, yeah. These... Older alumni, I had all these connections. I had, I had all these channels of communications. I was learning so much. All the younger guys had a respect and a, a different way of interacting with me. And I was just like, this is, a, this is exactly what that meant. And I wish I had applied that to other things in my life during my undergrad. But luckily, I was able to learn that from the Propel program, which was typically most of the Ivy students knew about it. Right. In aviation... I didn't even know we had those resources right. to us. Like you said, like the girl that came up to you, if you're if you're interested and you go in and look into these programs, they're available to everybody. Absolutely. And luckily my business partners at the time were in Ivy and they told me about it, but it was ultimately me that went through them. 100%. Because it was available to me even as an aviation student, it wasn't Ivy anything. They were just the driving body behind it. Yep. And so exactly like you said to that girl and it worked. You and you know, hopefully she's happy at 
you know, RBC or wherever she's working. Um, and you know, <laughs> probably not with that attitude. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She, but that's, that's, just that was the biggest, you know, thing that I would, I would say to, uh, you know, students who were like, you know, I want often people would be like, I'd like to be USC president. What should I do? I'm like, I don't know. Like you just do it. Yeah. Just go like, why don't you run this election? Like I can't, I have no experience. I'm like, well, you're certainly not going to win if you don't run. That's yeah. the, that's the first thing. Like you absolutely can't. Yeah. And then do people approach you for campaign advice? Yeah, they did. for the following couple of years, I did. Oh, no, you know what? Actually, and this is another thing I stayed involved in. There was like um, these two guys who were SIGs, I think. Toby and Landon. Did you know okay. these guys? They were younger dudes. I think no. they were SIGs. Maybe they weren't. I don't know. Anyways, they... Um, I would remember a Toby and a Landon. Yeah, I think Those so. Those are too. names. Those yeah, are names I would enough. remember. So they were they were guys who were who ended up being the president and vice president a couple of years down the road and I like they had to do an appeal. They were the the guys who lost were challenging them. Ooh. And so and I was their lawyer. I was in second year law school and like Love I it. was I was like acting on their behalf and the people would come and they'd ask me campaign advice and stuff like that and like what should I do and I'd be like here's you probably shouldn't listen to half of what I'm saying but like if there's a couple things I'm saying that makes sense to you then this is this is valuable but you know I, I like to stay in touch with people who are still trying to do their thing and it, it, it meant a lot to me uh it changed my life and so you know it's great that other people are doing it is your i like that attitude i do always like the attitude of and again something i learned later than most people and we've learned it recently is that doing is like the only path to getting there absolutely thinking about it talking about it great great supplemental stuff but doing is the only thing that's ever got me anywhere and like mm -hmm. you said people that feel like they're not ready they're underqualified and stuff like that yeah, sometimes maybe but for the most part if you throw yourself into the mix and you're a capable person that's the right move without a doubt and, and is that kind of like is that is that a good characteristic for like going into law like is this something that's like benefited you kind of throughout like yeah you were a lawyer for these people in second year law is that something that typical law students would do? Or were you like, no, let's do it. Like, I'm into it. Like I was I was definitely a bit of an anomaly in terms of stuff. Like, a lot of people, they were just, you know, again, when I came into law school, what I found as well, and again, my grades weren't that good in law school, but I was getting involved in every single club and doing everything I could. And then when it came time to get recruitment for the jobs, I ended up landing a great job, not because I had excellent grades, but because because they weren't excellent. They were very average. Interesting. But because I sort of was able to point to these things, and they're like, you know what? The law firms and stuff, like anything else, they see down the road, uh, you know, what type of, they sort of see what type of person you are. And if you're someone who's getting out there and doing things, that's going to be to their, to your credit. And that's, you know, thankfully, that's you what must that works out. rock interviews. <laughs> I mean, all interviews are, are asking you what you do in certain experiences. And basically, if you're someone who does a lot of things, you have unlimited cool stuff to talk about. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, it's funny because I still get calls from students at law school. The The law of recruitment is very strange. So how it works is you submit your applications after your first of three years of law school based on your grades. All the law firms will review your application, your cover letter, which is probably pretty generic, and all of your grades. And they will offer you interviews and some people get no no interviews and some people get 20. And they all take place, the first round of interviews take place on one day on campus. It's technically not on campus, but it's at, they're called on-campus interviews and they're downtown at the convention center. Yeah. Every single firm is set up in a booth and you have 17 minutes to talk to every firm that offered you Fuck. a first round interview. And so you go in and- How many sit, did you get? I got seven or eight. So I got pretty nice. good. So not bad, not bad. That's pretty good, yeah. my grades. Top, and you know, top good firms? Yeah, some of them were like 
good. Some of them were, they're all good. Yeah. Like they're all, you know, they're all great. Um, some of them maybe more aligned with what I wanted mm-hmm. to do. Uh, I know people who had 20 interviews, no job. I know people wow. who had one interview, one job. It's a crapshoot. But you go in there, 17 minutes. And so what I was trying to say is that students will come to me sometimes if they like were campers at camp who are now in law school, stuff like that. And they're like, hey, like I got this interview coming up. I'm nervous. Like, what do I do? And I'm honestly like, I don't think you should prepare for these interviews at all. And the reason I say that is because it's just an interview about you and you're the subject matter expert. So if you're not already prepared to talk about this, you're not uh, doing enough, either you're not doing enough or like you're not going to be prepared. And I know some people operate a little bit differently, but like if someone's going to come in and say, hey, Trav, so I see on your resume that uh, you like sports. Tell me about that. I can ring a fucking thousand things. So that's the thing. Or like, hey, Robbie, I see uh, you play guitar. So uh, what's going on with that? You picked a good one with Rob. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, You know what? That exact situation happened with one of my buddies who was at U of T Law. And it's, I don't know the exact circumstances of what happened, but um, he got thrown into one of these interviews and they hit it off talking about guitars. And he's now working in New York at this like big hot shot law firm. Absolute bank. Making bank. And, you know, he's got his guitars and he gets along musically with his boss. Dude, that's exactly what it is. It's like they just ask you, they literally look at your resume and they find the strangest thing on there and they ask you about that. They're like, so wait, you, you worked at a, a, like a jam factory for three years? Like, what the hell is that about? And you're like, okay, let me tell you about the jam factory. And like, uh, that's just it. And for me, they asked me about like three things. Student council president, outdoor wilderness living skills. Nice. That's what I did at camp. And yeah, you actually know it was probably just those two things. And like, I was just like, okay, yeah, I got a story for you. Let me tell you a story. Um, b- back to the camp thing quickly. Yeah. You mentioned you went to Onondaga for numerous years and then- you went to Candler for one year. Yeah. The year that you went to Candler, I, I can't help but think, were you just comparing your previous experiences to how they do it? I mean, because camps are so like, you know, th- they have their ways about doing things. And I I can't help but think that you were just comparing Onondaga to Candler that whole summer. You know, it's funny. I So I had stopped going to Onondaga in 2013. And then I went to Candler in 2016 or 17. I can't even really, I think 16. And... They're actually owned by the same people. Okay. And they had recently plugged in a bunch of directors like from Onondaga and the Candler people didn't oh, okay. really like it is very that, much. Is that why you also went over as it's, well? You know, it's sort of the reason why. I was looking for a job after first year law school. I didn't want to do anything related to law. I love summer camp. And they offered me a job as the communications director, mm-hmm. which is basically like the first line of communication with all the parents. And uh, which is a, becoming more and more of a common job at these oh, totally at these camps no, the helicopter, these, like, helicopter parents, parents helicopter yeah. parents it's it was really funny do you want and another one by the way i've actually still got half of this okay so cool i guess i gotta drink it faster but no um, no no. i was just asking i appreciate that thank you so so sponsor what happened is yeah <laughs> shout out true history brewing it's good beer um so you know what ended up happening was I, I they just offered me this job because the director had known me when i was a much younger counselor at onondaga mm-hmm and you know, I did this job, and it was it was just a great, great experience. And there was definitely some comparing, but uh, I was just a, it was just kind of interesting just to see the camp dynamic, you know, as someone who was a little bit older. Yeah. Uh, and I just really, really enjoyed it. It was a great role, a very funny one. Here's a quiz question for you guys. So, cool. How many Facebook <laughs> photos do you think we posted in that year, in that summer? So, Tw- ten weeks. I'll give you a couple parameters. Ten weeks. Yeah. 
should I say nine weeks, about 800 kids that walk through the gates. Yeah. Yeah. Of varying ages. How many Facebook photos did we put up? <clears throat> I'm going to go on the low end just to be interesting and say 25. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to say, I'm going to go on the high end and say, um, 4,700. 5,112 photos. Rob, you fucking genius. That was, that was, that's exactly it. The parents, there's such an expectation of constant communication that has just, you know, summer camp is a really, really great experience. Um, you know, that, that just, for me, it taught me so much. You can see the growth in kids who go yeah, there. Yeah. Who I know you're a Kilku guy. Were you also a camp uh, guy? Yeah. Yes, were, were you Kilku too? No, I uh, nearby Madiba in Halliburton. It was a Madiba. family-run camp. Okay. My grandfather started, so that's we had a bit of a lineage there. Okay, so you, so you, you get it. Yeah. So it's like you know the the growth that you see in a lot of kids is just it's amazing. But what it used to be the case where it's like you know parents would drop off Jimmy or Sally. And say, also my grandfather's name. Uh, really, Sally? Yeah. Oh, Sal. It would only be. It would only be Jimmy's at Kilku. I only, yeah, only Jimmy's at Kilku. It's like I only want to hear from you if Jimmy breaks a leg. If not, have a good time. That's it's just not that's the case what it now. Was. That's yeah. what it was. Yeah. yeah. See, that's why. That's why I guess low is because I thought you were gonna say that they only posted twenty five, and your critique was like these parents were like blowing you up for shit. That, you know, I wish that it was the case, but it's just like the expectation now is constant communication and that's just the way the market is sort of going and part of it is because camps have become very very expensive mm -hmm. and i think that there's an expectation as well that you know so expensive. dude our generation our parents wanted to get the fuck rid of us yeah yeah, like, yeah yeah call me if if there's a problem and that's otherwise it. yeah we're off and there were some otherwise parents, write me there were, <laughs> yeah the right it's like there are some parents just now like parents are smuggling cell phones with their kids so that they can contact them this and is wild it's wild there's three type. there's three types of parents there's the 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 Parent who's still the classic one, who's like, yeah. you know, only give me a call if Jimmy breaks leg. I'm like, great, no problem. You call them up. Jimmy didn't break a leg just because like that's our protocol. And they're like, Jimmy break a leg? Nope. Why are you calling me? I'm like, okay, have a good day. Fought Jimmy's father, boom. Yeah. Great, that's a good one. The other side is the helicopter parent who mm -hmm. was like, I remember there was one parent who was like 27 phone calls over a three-week session or something like that. Like it was just insane. Wow, just wanted constant updates on the... I just don't think he's, I'm like, at some point I'm like, I can't keep on doing this. Uh, and those are the helicopter parents on one side. And then there's what I call, like to call the gateway parents. These are my favorite ones. These are <laughs> the, the ones who started off like the laissez-faire parents and say, yeah. you know, only give me a call. I'm like, yeah, sure, yeah. no problem. But you know, I can just send you a photo. They're like, yeah, you send me a photo. Okay, send me a photo. And you send them one photo. They're like, wow, that's great. Hey, I don't want to bother you, but I think you can send me another photo. <laughs> Can you send me another photo of them he, doing why he, archery? Why is he frowning in that photo? Is he all right? Yeah, is he all right? You know, maybe you can send me another photo. And then it's like you just it, the floodgates open, and so that's the one you <laughs> like give gateway him a, drugs. It was a gateway drug. You just get <laughs> a little taste of that contact. And I, of course, was happy to oblige because I'm like, if my job is to be in touch with parents, I'm gonna be in touch with parents. Like I'm just gonna absolutely take this to the. I max. love your I love your energy about any <laughs> job you have. Yeah, I, yeah. I feel like. Fuck off! <laughs> I just I'm trying to just chill. Like I, you know, for me it was like if this is if that's just the way I kind of operate. It's like if this is what you want, this is the goal that you're hiring me to do. Like I'm gonna be better than anyone you've ever hired to do this thing. I love so it. So let's do it. I think that was a, that was actually there was a lot more packed into that camp question than I thought there would be. So thanks for bringing that up, Rob. And in the in the last uh, kind of part of this podcast, I wanted to get into some of the uh, like the the existential questions oh yeah 
that uh, we usually ask people a lot of times. Um, I've heard how you kind of treat your work and how you kind of like attack things and it's a cool mentality. Are you uh, a neurotic person? Do you overthink things a lot? Are you more just like action and see what the results are? What, what would you say? Man, I don't know. I, I would like to say I'm not a neurotic person, but like I'm I'm pretty neurotic. Like yeah. I'm, I'm overthinking things all the time. All the time, uh, anxiety stuff like that. Not really. I I'm not like a like a diagnosed yeah. anxiety, but like I would say just like a general like I I think of things that like I did wrong or like like you know you like I farted in class eight years ago and that's I'm like your I still think about that. That's <laughs> like like I'm like oh my god like there's and meanwhile like of course nobody cares because yeah. everyone's the protagonist. I mean, people of don't own, forget. People don't forget. But also people don't. Get, okay, so here's what I always like to think. You know, if you're ever sitting in class, yeah, and um, you ever see someone like stumble down the stairs, yeah, and like. Maybe you've also been the person who yeah, stumbles. Yeah, it's probably me. So you're yeah, the person who Rob. stumbles. <laughs> Rob stumbles, and you probably think this is the end of the world. Everyone is going to think I'm such a fucking moron. Like, that is, this is it. I've totally lost it. But then when you're in the other seat, and you're sitting down, you see the person stumble, and you barely even care. You don't even think about the person. And you start to realize, oh, maybe people don't really care that much about, you know, this person who stumbled or this person who farted in class. It's really not that big of a deal because... At the end of the day, everyone is very much the protagonist of their own yeah. story, which leads them to think that you know and, everyone and, thinks that. And them they, that the same would only way. matter to them if they had a a way of repeating it in a funny way to people. And then even then, it's like you know, this is just a guy who trips. Like people don't think negative as negatively about you as you often think about I, yourself. I'm actually yeah. I'm usually more drawn and more like. Like if I see some trip, I just immediately like them. Yeah, you're like this person's <laughs> willing to be vulnerable. Like yeah, hell. It, it depends how they react, but um, but yeah, okay, neurotic. okay, neurotic ish ish, reasonable anxiety. Which I don't even say anxiety in a bad way. I do. I think a lot of mental health stuff, as long as it's not debilitating, can actually usually lead to success. Yeah, and cool stuff in a lot of ways. Um, do you think a lot about with like, you know, the neuroticism and stuff like that? Did you think about how much time you spent at school? Did you think about timelines? Did you think about where you wanted to be at, at certain points? Or like, were these things on your mind? Or were you like, you know what? No, in the, in the career you're in, this is still an okay timeline. Like, was stuff like that on the mind? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, I think that uh, I sort of, I, by the end of my time in London, I was like, I've been here for nine years. I think it's time for me to move on. But it's also every single year, I sort of had new challenges and I sought those out. Mm -hmm. And so if it wasn't student council president, it was, you know, immediately. So I was in my first year of law school. I ran for student council president of law school. Fucking lost actually by like wow. seven votes. It was devastating. And That's like, and my dad, with that, is, with that resume, I know. And my dad was like, so why do you care so much? I'm like, I just wanted to have all three presidencies. And he's like, you're a psycho. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I probably am. But, um, you know, I was always trying to find new challenges. And I think that, you know, um, if you find interesting things in your present circumstances, you tend to not be bored and you don't always think about circumstances. Something a camp director once told me is like, keep your head where your feet are. Always keep your head where your feet are. And I think that that's, if you get too focused on what's next and you know what my next step is gonna be or my next four steps, uh, if you get too focused on that, Sometimes you you end up losing sight of of what's important right can, in front of you. Can I break that open a bit? Oh yeah. I don't I don't quite. I, I think it's. I've never heard cool. that before. I've never heard that. Yeah. It, it's definitely meaning to be present and stuff like that. But how? So how how would you apply that to say your job now as a lawyer? Okay. So this is exactly how. I would, and again, I, to take it back a little bit to student council, there was a lot of people around there who would join in their first year, 
and then be like, my goal is to become USC president. That's mm-hmm. what I'm going to do. And I would think to them, you got to keep your head where your feet are. And what I mean by that is that both be present, but also the best way for you to get to your goal is to do the absolute best where you are right now. So look around you. What are the tools you have? What are your options? Uh, and just absolutely kill those. And that's going to be the only way that you can actually get to that job. Thinking about it is one thing, but doing what's in front of you now is the actual practical steps that are going to get you there. And so in my current job, like, what would I love? I think about my goals like, yeah, in seven years, like I would love to argue in front of the Supreme Court of Canada. Mm-hmm. I would love to do that. And I think it would be possible. Where do I start? I got to start getting on some small litigation files now in these little municipalities and doing stuff, start to develop that and creates a snowball effect. Like how does a friggin' snowball start? Just a little friggin' thing that you, you this, that's not a really good analogy, but you know what I'm I trying know, to I say? Get, no, it is. It starts you, you to, it actually, starts you to build You did a great up. job of explaining that concept because yeah. a lot of people say catchy concepts and then I go, cool, it sounds cool and I don't get it and I learn nothing from it. You <laughs> actually perfectly broke that out where I was like, I just took it and I just immediately thought of how I could apply that to You've got a million ways. You guys have all these things going on, right? Mm-hmm. And like yeah. you, where, and I know you guys have a lot of goals because I've been listening to your, your podcast and I think it's great what you guys are doing. And I think that the way that you become, like, I don't know, like the next, next spit and chicklets isn't to like necessarily be like, oh, if we only get freaking like biz nasty on our podcast, we're immediately going to be good. It's mm-hmm. like, no, you slowly just crush exactly what it is you're doing right now. Um, and it just starts to come into place. And yeah. it's just how these things work. And do you, you know, Okay, so you mentioned you want to argue in front of the Supreme Court yeah. of Canada. Is that something that you've like sort of, I mean, obviously you're focused uh, with with that saying, you're focused on what you're doing now and yeah. the litigation and municipalities and stuff. But um, is that something you've kind of like drawn out being like, these are the steps to get there? Or is that just kind of like a mindset that you have at all times? Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, no, that's a good question. I think it's, It'd be really diff- It's very easy to look backwards and be like, oh, yeah, these are the steps that it took to get here. But if you think about all of this, so again, I'll draw it back to student council because we were talking about that is like I look at my path of getting to USC president and it was the weirdest path to possibly yeah. do it. Like I wasn't an undergrad. I had no experience before. But then I'm like, well, this fell into place and then this fell into place and this fell into place. And now I'm here. And like I look back, I'm like, man, if one thing was off. I would not have reached this goal. So it's very easy to look back and be like, okay, that was the path. But looking forward, it wouldn't how be repeatable. Can you, how can you possibly, it's not repeatable. And how can you possibly know what the path is? So you can't really plot that you, out. You just can't. Yeah. You can sort of have an end in sight. There's, oh man, this is, so I'm reading a book right now called East of Eden by John Steinbeck. You ever I've heard, heard of this it. book? I've heard yeah. of that. Yeah. Unbelievable book. I'm actually rereading it. It's like one of my favorite books. And there's this, put that on the old reading You list. should. And there's this line in it at the beginning, which, and the the character they're talking about is like this this woman. Sorry, crazy. you know why you've heard about it? Um, I think it's a song by Hosier or something. Or uh, from Eden. He was, oh, from he was Eden. Okay, yeah. sorry, never mind. Mumford, never mind. Well, no, he was influenced by them, and so was Mumford and Sons. They were very influenced by John Steinbeck. W- w- was it was it mentioned in Into the Wild? Have you seen, oh, have you seen that oh, movie? Oh yeah, that's an amazing movie and a really good. Book and a good too. book. I read that. But yeah, sorry, I, I didn't mean to distract. No, 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 like no that. not yeah, at all. Yeah. No, those are that's those are two, John Krakauer is an unbelievable, yeah, yeah, unbelievable author. But there's this phrase in it that sort of. It caught me the second time I'm reading it, which is was a character who had a really specific goal, and she ha- happened to be she was totally evil. But she's like the most difficult things in life. What you have to do, and I'm paraphrasing, is find out what the goal is, and then immediately put that goal out of your mind and focus only on the process, and then the goal 
will be achieved, but only if you focus on the process. And I started to think about that and reflect on that on, on my experiences and when I have had success and when I've had failures, the failures come from the fact that, you know, I've probably been too focused on what I assume to be the path towards the goal. And it obviously is not that. And the successes come from when I have a goal and then I just immediately focus on the now and what the process might be to get there. You're blowing my fucking mind <laughs> because I'm just rethinking everything I've ever done. But you, you shouldn't, you like, you, you know, it's, it's easy though to think back. This is something, something you said earlier I thought was awesome was like, uh, you know, I wish that I had known about these resources before. And everyone has those moments where they're like, oh man, I wish that I knew, you know, it's that song. Like, yeah. I wish that I knew what I, what I knew yeah. now when I was younger. And wishing, you know, that's, a, yeah, of course you wish you knew that at the time, but that's not the point of growing up and learning. The point isn't to have all that knowledge then. The point is to be at a certain circumstance where you can look back and say, man, I didn't know shit back then. Hell, that must mean I know something now. Fuck yeah. Woo! So, so with with all this mentality, are you a person that doesn't really have many regrets? Oh man, I got mad regrets. That time I farted when I was eight <laughs> years ago. Like, come on! I just told you, I got yeah, I remember that mad, mad regrets. Weirdo. But I th I think that it's like, yeah, dude, lots lots of regrets, and mainly in the way like I interact with with people, and you know, you look back on things that are like. Man, I didn't necessarily treat that person that well. Or yeah. man, I didn't really take advantage of that. Oh, no one can have no I I understand what you're saying. And it doesn't mean you're a regret free person. Like yeah. I, I understand the sentiment. And I also think two things can exist at the same time. Totally. I think That's you can understand these principles. And I understand a lot of principles and I understand exactly what you're saying. But at the same time, I may still have a really hard time applying it. Or I may like I may understand these you may understand these concepts but still make mistakes and have regrets. Of course. But so you did a great job of explaining that and i thought it was really cool and this is exactly why i fucking love this podcast because <laughs> this is the only way i learn yeah, yeah. by asking questions and and hearing from other people's experiences my my next question i think you've already answered because i was gonna say well you know now that you're in law school because i've heard a lot of people or sorry now that you're uh, in law i've heard a lot of people that wanted to be lawyers and stuff like that get into it and be bogged down yeah and really not like it and really not be happy and i this is my opinion for what i've heard from this right. episode is that with your attitude towards stuff you're not one of those people you were just talking about how you're like i want to be in front of the supreme court you you're, you you seem like you're probably actually loving the grind of it dude absolutely i am you you guess that like a lot of people they ask do you like it and i say i love it and if i don't if i stop loving it i'll probably leave like i just won't stick with it just to clarify for our listeners, oh yeah, what is it exactly you're doing? So right yeah, now? so I'm a, lawyer, I'm a lawyer. I'm a lawyer. What type of? I do municipal and land use planning law, and so I work for developers and I work for municipalities and various other people who uh, you know have interaction with municipalities. You were saying earlier there was an issue at your cottage. Yeah, you hired you actually hired our firm. Yeah, uh, to you know deal with the municipality to help sort that situation out. So it's stuff like that that I I really uh, you know I really like that area of law. Fortunately, the firm that hired me is one of the best. Uh, we were just that's voted. why we went with them. Yeah, we were just for that particular yeah. area. We were we, yeah. at this area. Yeah, we're one of the best. We were just rated because we found write-ups about similar things. Oh yeah, we deal with, with that sort of thing firm. all yeah. the time, mm -hmm. all the time. So um, yeah, so that's that's the type of area of law that I do. I'm a first year associate, but I worked there previously as a summer associate and an articling student. And the the title of that is a municipal. Yeah, lawyer. municipal. I'm a municipal lawyer. Municipal. Lawyer. Cool. That's awesome. Like, fuck, it's, it's, it's always refreshing to hear that because you, it, 
the vast majority of people I talk to on a daily basis and the people I love the most, when they talk about work, life, stuff like that, it's a grind, fucking yeah. work, like this, that. Yeah. And I, re- I appreciate it and I respect it and I feel the same way a lot of the time, but it's, what's the point of right. it all, right? Like, what are we doing then? And that's what always bugs me and that's why when my parents and, and people get on my case about what I'm doing, I think about those examples the most. I'm like, what's the point of, of saying that to people and not being the type of person that can be like, I'm enjoying myself. Right. And it doesn't mean you're always happy doing it. No. Sure, there's absolute today. Struggles. I had an awful day. What, what did you do today? What happened today? I so as, he worked as, for the man. <laughs> so as as someone who works for themselves a lot, people offer me odd jobs mm-hmm. all the time because they're like, I know if you can probably work in your schedule. You're an able-bodied yeah. human being. So today <laughs> you got I got a free schedule. <laughs> I got the call from my brother-in-law, and yeah, I can move my schedule so the work I had to do today I can do tomorrow and the next right. day. And he's like, hey, can you come for a few hours to help uh, move some furniture around? They have a big event at their school. He runs a school. Right. Um, uh, on Monday. And I was like, yeah. Showed up there at 10. And I thought I'd be there till you know, 12, 1 o'clock. And I mean, I did fucking labor all day <laughs> till 4.30 where I had to leave to come back to this. Yeah. And I was hauling heavy metal chairs for hours, stacking them, putting together Ikea tables made of metal like 10 in a row, just like straight labor, carpal tunnel, like back breaking, yeah. like bent over shit for $15 an hour. That's rough. And I mean, <laughs> I I went to university. I have some accreditations. I mean, I feel like my time has got to be worth at least minimum wage in a little bit. Yeah, what's minimum wage now? $15 wow. an hour. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's that You know what I mean? Like even if I'm doing labor, I mean, there should be a, a little bit Maybe two or three dollars for completing your commercial pilot's license. Oh yeah, you know, maybe a dollar or two from passing the CFAs. Yeah. Rough go. You know, I, I put together the table. You passed your CFAs? Yeah. Which one? Level one? Three. All three. You got all three? Yeah. What the hell are you doing here? I mean, I'm a whack dude. I <laughs> my story is is insane. Dude, the guy whack. who like helped me open my RRSP today. Not a big deal. Not uh, a big deal. <laughs> uh, he has like a CFA level one. Yeah, you could be doing that like with your eyes closed. Well, the thing is, I'm a, I'm a great test taker, so it's not mm. really a testament to my finance ability. It's more of a testament to my ability to I I'm good with numbers. Right. I do for the companies I run now. Um, I've always been the books operations numbery guy, but I mean I'm a good test taker. Right. That's uh, uh, that's what the CFA really is. Right. Right. There's fair way enough. Way better. I know buddies that failed the CFA that would fuck me up in yeah. the finance world. <laughs> Um, in fact, I got into Bitcoin and lost a lot of money because I know nothing about investments. Yeah, that was a uh, that was a that was a wild ride. I got Bitcoin. into it when it boomed. Wait, that yeah. was a wild ride. Is is it over? Like, well, are there... I, I mean, they, it, it, when I got into it, it was just exploding. Yeah, and uh, it was actually Ian Ian Haas mm. um, who got into Ripple. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And when Ripple was like nothing, did he? He made some bank, and he probably made some good money. Yeah. But he told me, he's like, Travis, you should get in this Bitcoin stuff. Check out Ripple. And when it was at like nine cents yeah. or something, or even less, like point nine of a cent, I don't know. And then I remember just like it was on my mind. And then when things started exploding, I saw Ripple rise to like forty, fifty, sixty cents, a buck, two bucks. Right. And I was like, Ian probably got in at nine cents like whatever and like made a fuckload of money so i tried to get in to catch that rise yeah that's like the opposite i got in at the peak because i'm not a good i'm (laughs) just not in investments cfa and all right 
uh, I got it at the peak and then right after the big media explosion of all their values, it dipped. The the money I put in completely got sliced in half and then in half again. Yeah. And I was like, okay, you take tests. You don't know anything unless you actually do finance. Work. Man, I remember I was sitting in, uh, I think I was in third year law school at the time and I there was some dude who was sitting in the, the like common area and he had his computer open. He was like trading Bitcoin. I remember just going, I didn't really know the guy. I'm like going up to him, like, hey, like, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, you know, I'm trading Bitcoin, doing this thing. And I remember he said exactly, he's like, it's just like printing money. And I'm like, okay, this shit is about to collapse. Yeah, like, this yeah, is, yeah, yeah. I'm sure, like, not that I'm like some sort of sage or anything like that, but like, sure enough, like a couple weeks, months later, it was like, yeah. obviously all tanked because, like, no, there's no such thing as printing money. Like, that's not how this works. Of course, some people did make money, but you make money on the fact that stupid money gets in and uh pumps up the price and it's just like it's a bubble well, it's how it the, is it's how it works I, I wasn't i wasn't as delusional as i'm making it out to be i didn't put in a lot of money no no, no i'm sure i'm sure yeah and what i was excited about was exactly that i was like you know what i'm not going to take the time to look at metrics of companies and stuff like that because i actually think the stock market is kind of fucking gambling yeah. and the people that like probably like poker and other mental games like that get into that shit but i didn't want to look at companies i didn't want to look at what they're doing in financial statements what i liked about bitcoin it was it was psychology yep it was it was articles hype marketing you could if you could predict stupid people's reactions yep. what i didn't account for is i thought the hype that i saw was a new baseline mm. Because I thought the technology wasn't going anywhere. Right. I thought it was revolutionary and it had just gotten to mainstream. And I was going to trade on when new articles and stuff or new right, hype right. was going to come out. Oh, Ripple has just got adopted by this bank. There's going to be a big spike and then there's going to be right. you know, some reaction to something like that. And I was like, I could get interested in that. So I just threw money in to just start to be a player. Right. Bad timing. It was literally a month later. Where yeah. it went right back down to being poop. And I was like, you know what? Eh, I'll just stick to the other things I'm yeah, doing. Yeah, you know yeah, fair I mean? enough. At least you learned you, you got your pee pee whacked in the Bitcoin market. And, you should have uh, heard me that Christmas, though. Ooh. The fam rough, family rough Christmas. Rough presents around. Well, they're the like, what's going on? I was like, I actually just bought a bunch of crypto. Uh, <laughs> I was that fucking loser at the family Everyone Christmas. Everyone was talking about it. It was like ridiculous. And they're like, yeah. they're like yeah, I hear that's a bit of a bubble. I'm like, it is, but if you really know how to use a bubble, like you can make money off <laughs> they're it. They're having right? all these crypto yeah. conferences. And I'm like, you, you, like, you geezers wouldn't get it. And like, and then literally a month later, it collapsed. And I yeah. just, I could think of everyone being like, Trav's <laughs> a dumb guy. Yeah. Meanwhile, like that, your great grandfather's probably like, I saw the tulip bubble <laughs> back 250 <laughs> years ago. I've seen this. Game Every before. generation has been fucking hosed. Well, like, you're right. It was like the tech bubble that happened in like the 90s. It was just yeah. like you, these companies were eviscerated overnight, just absolutely destroyed. Like I remember, do you remember Netscape? No. Rings a bell. Netscape. It was like supposed to be the alternative to, or it wasn't supposed to be, it was a web browser. Yeah. And then what happened? Freaking Microsoft Office and Internet Explorer got released for free. It was the fastest growing company. Boom. Zero dollars. Boom. Just like that. So, you yeah, know. No, people make... People made shit tons of money out of it. That's why I hide all my bubble. money under my mattress. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no one can get at it. No, people make tons of money in bubbles. Yeah. People make fuckloads of money. It's it's the the weed legalization. Yep. But it's 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 a certain they, they were people with the right knowledge to get in when it was wor worth nothing because yep. no tulips who would have thunk they would have blown up. 
Bitcoin a fun little thing for nerds to buy. Yeah. There was a few people that are like future seers and they exist out there. Probably the same people that called the big short and oh, yeah, all yeah. that. You know, there, there are people plus, that... Plus, I feel like they there was a large demographic of people actually using Bitcoin for is it, for its designated maintenance. Criminals. Maybe, yeah, probably you know? criminals. Like, buy, yeah, yeah, like criminals are like online. Like, yeah. The Silk Road. Like if yeah, you want to buy, yeah. buy like pure MDMA <laughs> on the Silk Road, you got to buy this Bitcoin. It's like, oh, fuck, man. Like this is, I guess what? You can also buy a hitman. Yeah. You're like, oh, <laughs> and, and you can buy people. You can buy, yeah. yeah like like, like it, I, I don't want anything adjacent to human trafficking and, and hitman, but like, but what's you know, funny MDMA is, is good, but. a bunch of, a bunch of super nerds that weren't even tech savvy got lots of money from like people buying it as like a gift being like this right. is fun this is some cool tech weirdo like thing happening and they they forgot about it and they just ended up caking it blew up to what was it at its peak like 20 grand i feel like it was 20 grand or something like that. yeah 20 grand and, and they probably had like four or five bitcoin or some people had like hundreds of them fucked up imagine anyway so that was a bit of a side tangent i don't even know what we were talking about chav i think you'll find this interesting uh while you're upstairs earlier uh we were chatting i don't know if you remember this article that was in the uh that was in the toronto star like uh what a year was it a year ago about a year ago about a year ago and uh the title of the article was something about four guys move into a house in forest hill yes. do you yep, remember yep, this yep, yep, yep. was that you that do you know who that house? was yeah. holy fuck yeah. <laughs> Dude, how do you have your hands in everything? So, so this is funny. So that it, it wasn't actually me. It was my brother okay. in the house who, who I've since moved into the house. He moved in with his girlfriend and I took his spot in the house. But what happened was um, the they were moving into this house just a couple blocks from here. And it's this big old house in Forest Hill. And they found it on, you know, I don't, I, they actually got a realtor to help them, to yeah. help them get the place. And... They were doing like a pre-move in a couple weeks before their actual move-in date. And I took a photo and put it on Twitter because I'm a big Twitter guy, at Matt Helfand. There you and, go. Uh, <laughs> and I, I, I captioned it something like, you know, my brother and his friends are moving into this house uh, in Forest Hill. The neighbors are probably expecting a family and a dog and they're getting these guys. This is funny. And put it up there, got a couple likes. And then I got a response from uh, a Toronto Star a Toronto Star journalist. Yeah, yeah. And she's like, this is interesting. Can you give me your brother's phone number? I'm like, absolutely. Like, no yeah. chance I'm not doing that. So I end up, they connected. They went to their move-in date and the Toronto Star was there filming and taking photos. Wow. And a couple, and interviewed them. A couple days later, front page of the Toronto yes. Star. Four guys. Four guys. <laughs> four guys. And, and it was funny. There were two headlines. There was four guys and then there was also for the version that was on the TTC, it was four bros. They called four them four bros. bros. <laughs> and so, other than my brother, all the other guys who are now my roommates hated it. They were mortified. They're like, "Why are we on the front page?" Wow. And because what what actually happens? What are your rights? What do you what do you do? You get compensated? Like no, what actually I mean, fucking happens? No compensation, of course. But it's like uh, they interviewed some actual legit two city councilors, the head of like the Rental Housing Foundation of Canada or something, and all and about this. the chief planner. All but they're like, so you heard these guys are moving in, and they just had comments on it, and it was like. You know, it really struck a chord, I think, with as we were talking earlier about like the difficulties of renting in Toronto. And so anything about renting is obviously hot, hot. And then also the idea of and, and, you know, it's obviously not revolutionary when we're living at university. But for some reason, when people come back to Toronto, they're like, oh, yeah, like I'm, I got to live in a condo downtown. Oh, yeah, it costs twenty eight hundred bucks to live in a fucking shoebox. It's falling apart. Yeah, it's no big deal. Yeah, but it's obviously garbage. But like, you know, we pay way less rent for way more space. 
Neighbors be damned. Dude, Toronto Star, hit us up. I'm literally paying 860 bucks a month. I live with four people in the greatest area I think ever existing in Toronto. It's, this it's, is the, the, best. it's the best neighborhood. This is this is where the future is. And here's the funny, the Toronto Star, they got a, we had a neighbor, one neighbor who like doesn't like us because- Because of the article? We didn't mow our lawns, but they saw the article and apparently they called the Toronto Star and was like, those guys you wrote the article about- they're not mowing their lawns. And I can imagine they're like, listen, lady, this was a one yeah, shot we article. We're not following up on yeah. this. Like that is, there's no chance, but, uh, but it, it was funny and it was a good article. Um, and it, it, you know, it, it is difficult, obviously renting in Toronto. You got to really be making a lot of money to, or, or, or just spending a shit ton on, on rent. Yeah. Yeah. That's our big predicament right now. We got to move out at the end of the month. Yeah. So where are you guys looking at? We, dude, I would move next door if it was available. Yeah. Unfortunately, this house exactly is getting demolished. What I said, yeah. Um, so we'll take what we can get, but it's slim pickings. It's winter. Prices have risen even since we looked a year ago. Yeah. So do you? So Robbie was saying that the landlord agreed to uh, give you some money. Yeah. Did you guys sign a deal on that? Yeah. See, I feel like you could have gotten more money. Well, I mean, it was the end of our lease. Oh, it was the end of the lease. He well, didn't kick us out prematurely. Yeah, but yeah. still, you can't just evict people. It wasn't like, an eviction. It was ask. He asked us, "Could oh, you leave?" Oh, he asked. You shouldn't have fucking done that. Well, I, but the thing is, I. <laughs> but, but also, we had signed an agreement saying that uh, we'll be here for a year oh, at minimum. Yeah. And then, but also, the development may happen sooner. Yeah. So, so be prepared for that. Mm, okay. We, yeah, the yeah, reason yeah. why we got such a good deal on this house is because is it could have been developed within one to two okay, years. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That changes and then, things. And then they said, okay, things happen quicker than we thought. It's going to be this year. Can you guys move out at the end of your lease? We'll give you some money. Right. Yeah. Fair enough. Oh, but listen to this though. We did sign a deal. Yeah. About December's rent being for free. Right. And then I guess it didn't like trickle down to the people that actually take out the money. So, so we, they took so, the money. Yeah. So they took the money and we called them the next day. We're like, I thought we had an agreement. I thought we had a deal, buddy. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Then they gave it right back. Yeah. They, they better have. Yeah. That's pretty. A lot of land uh, tenants, they don't necessarily know their rights. You know, it's a. Uh, no, I, I, I know. I know. You could, they can't evict people in the winter. If we really wanted to stay, we could have said, give us till, you know, whatever. Right. And they would have said, please, no. We said, you, you can't do anything. Right. Um, but at the same time, we moved in at this time last year. And I thought, yeah. legitimately, we could just go out and find another great place. It's hard. And we did. Or I even and then thought someone took it from us. that it wouldn't happen this quickly. I thought we would have like at least like a half, another half year. No, I mean, when they longer. gave us a notice yeah. and we agreed to it. Um, and they and they said you know we'll help you out with money and stuff. Um, I thought for sure let's take the deal. I thought we could go out and find an amazing place. Yeah. Um, so I I wasn't too concerned, but it's been really fucking hard. We found one amazing place. It was everything we wanted and yeah. more. Right price, right everything. I actually think about it all the time. <laughs> I know. I compare everything I see to this place because it was so perfect, man. And then and what uh, happened? A couple took it from us. Yes, there's so much more rentable than you guys. And they swung in last minute. Like we were like, it was two groups of three people going for this house. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, a couple later. Yeah. Later skaters. Yeah. We'll give it to this couple. Sorry, what do you guys do? You guys do a podcast? Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> You're all bartenders. Uh, yeah. Okay. Three young guys. Like, yeah. Like okay, I don't know. I mean, I what I wanted to do is just say that we were a couple, Robbie and I, <laughs> and then and then let them take it away from a young gay couple. Totally, totally. Because that's on them. <laughs> if they want to, if they want to pick people based on that, those types on, of things. Yeah, I mean, they can't. You can't discriminate. That's true. Exactly. There you go. That's funny, man. <laughs> it's uh, this has been a long episode. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's 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 an hour little, and a half. under an hour and a half. Little under, okay. Well, you know, it, it flew by. It's it been a it flies it flies by. by it's it? been a, I remember time. telling you guys, you I was like, I don't know what I'm gonna talk about. 
But then sure enough, you get you get one uh, delicious true history. True, sir, my call. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> 12 swans. 12 swans. Um, well, it flies by, but I got to give it to you, man. That was a great fucking episode. Oh, that was thanks. an I awesome episode. I appreciate that. You're a natural. Hey, thanks, man. You should consider, uh, you know, doing stuff like 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 being on like some sort of council or board or something. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see what's um, next before before we end things here. Yeah. Is there any parting words? Things you, know, you want to plug. Final thoughts. Things you want to plug. Advice before we sign off. You know, I guess I just gotta. I, I'll, I'll say to you guys, like, I really respect what you guys are doing with this podcast, especially the amount of episodes you guys have put out. And I listened to a few of these episodes and they're, you're good. You're pretty good at what you guys are doing. Oh, thank you. And, thank uh, you. you know, I think that I, I just appreciate your guys you know, your, your mindset of just trying to do what you can. And, uh, before I came on this, I was, I showed a buddy, I was just at his house of what you guys are doing. And he's like, you know, these guys are pretty good. These guys are, these guys are pretty good. Awesome. And so, you know, just, keep, just keep it up. And, uh, you know, I'm happy to come back anytime you need a, need a filler. I would uh, love that. I know All I got, I got, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got, I got plenty of stuff. I'll to be talk taking about. you up on that. But, yeah. uh, but just keep on doing it. Keep your heads, keep your heads up and, uh, you know, you guys are doing good work. Well, I appreciate that. Thanks I appreciate ton, you man. giving us your time after work on a Thursday night. My pleasure. It's a Friday. It's Friday. <laughs> it's Friday. Yeah. It's yeah. a weird week. Cause it was like new year's and. Yeah, it's fully oh Friday. God. That, okay, well, you know what? That's fine. I'm having a dry January anyways. It's not a big deal. That's great. You lasted a good four days, three days. <laughs> Two and a half. Two and a half. <laughs> what day is it? Yeah. <laughs> but thank you so much. Thanks for the kind words. And uh, you're the type of person who I definitely uh, i am glad to know. Oh, yeah. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. You guys too. And yeah. On, and on that and note. I second everything. And on that note, we'll, we'll see you next. Tuesday. Tuesday.